Welcome to another edition of the Power Connector Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dickow, and joining me today is a longtime friend, friend of the family, friend of the community, and someone I've known for maybe 25 years. Uh, actually shared some office space with my guests in, in two different parts of our careers. So we've interfaced with each other. We spent some time in friendship and also admire the way he presents himself at events and the way that he builds communities and networks in the different industries that he's involved in. He's the owner operator of Corpco Ventures, C3CRE, and a co-founder of Rare Capital. And joining me today is my guest, Corbin Yeldu. Corbin, it's good to see you. Thank you, Derek. Great to see you as well. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time to talk on, on this, uh, this episode. It's all about connecting. I've always been real curious about the way that people build networks and the different um, approaches that they have to building relationships within different communities, whether it's in business or on the philanthropic side or in politics or in the gym, right? I like people have a certain way of doing so. And you have an interesting way of doing that as well. And I've kind of watched your career back when we were at Maple and Orchard Lake and, and uh, you were in the retail brokerage space exclusively then. And then, you know, I just kind of followed your career into your investment business and what you're doing on the brokerage side, but also you've You've created these other companies uh, with Corpco Ventures and then C3. So I'll start today, you know, the way I, I like to start every conversation I have with people is like, what's new and exciting for you? Sure. Yeah, appreciate you having me again. And, you know, it's great to see both of our careers continue to succeed and advance and uh, as we both continue to innovate and advance. And what's really new and exciting is have a, uh, various ongoing projects with Corpco right now, both throughout Michigan and Southeast Michigan and outside of Michigan. And I learned at a pretty young age in the middle of my career that there's a lot of opportunity doing deals in small towns and focusing outside of Michigan instead of where everybody is hyper-focused on the same deals, a easier way to create opportunity, especially when you have a relationship in hand that gives you an assignment. And on the brokerage side, actually just recently won an award for best ancillary service provider for the state of Michigan uh, on the cannabis side. And it's been fun to see how the cannabis space has continued to evolve over the years. We got into it back in 2017, 2018, and have continued to ride the wave. And, and uh, it's a bunch of consolidation right now in the space and definitely here to stay and continue to be a player on that side of the industry. And still heavily involved in, in retail, industrial land sales of, of all different type of commercial assets. And same answer to the above, mainly hyper-focused in Michigan, but also doing deals uh, on a national basis. And uh, my partner, Steve Burke, and I at Rare Capital are uh, based in Tampa. So that that's uh, pretty new, opened that last summer uh, and continuing to uh build our relationships uh, throughout Florida, Michigan, and nationwide on business, commercial, and cannabis loans as a lender broker. What brought you into commercial real estate at a young age? I mean, I, I think you were you know, 22, yeah. 23 years old, uh, breaking yeah. into commercial real estate. 21 years old. It was 2011 at the time. And I wanted to do real estate growing up because my father, Brian Yeldu, who many people know in the community, has been with Remax Classic for a few decades. And instead of getting into residential real estate, uh, he led me into commercial real estate, had a, a good, uh, strong leader and mentor with Chris Jonah, a mutual friend of ours uh, for my first job in the industry at CMP Real Estate Group. And 
uh, you know, I got into the world after my junior year at Oakland University, and it was a tough time in the economy. It took a couple of years to get rolling, but it was back then it was either, uh, you know, suck it up and grind it out or go do mortgages at Quicken Loans like most of our community. And uh, I'm never one really to follow the path. I like to create my own path as a leader and stuck through it and continued to learn the industry uh, on the brokerage and leasing and sales side, specifically mainly in retail with a lot of national and regional tenants. And then uh, eventually started getting into my own investments as I advanced my career at Mid-America Real Estate five, six years later. So 21, 22 years old, I, mean, I got to imagine it's, it's hard to call a seasoned investor and to tell them, oh, I have a deal for you. I'm, I'm sure they have hundreds of people soliciting them you know, throughout the week. How were you able to kind of break through that noise and cultivate relationships with people you know, 25, 30 years older than you, substantially more successful in the space, and here you are 21, 22, hey, I might have a deal or I might have a, a, a spot for you to consider. How, how were you able to cut through that? It's funny because I kind of look back, you know, 12 years ago of me being on the phones and uh, being naive to what's out there in the world or being shy to pick up the phones. And it's a ton of cold calling. So it it takes a lot of resiliency to understand that you're going to get rejected seven, eight out of 10 times and continue to keep pushing forward. And you get punched in the face a couple of times and can you continue going? But to add to that, uh, a lot of that had to do with who I was surrounded by, uh, you know, when I would call people in the real estate community, whether they, you know, were Chaldean or not Chaldean, a lot of times, Oh, you're a Yeldu. It's a big name in the Chaldean community. Who's your father? So being Brian Yeldu's son, you know, always indirectly, you know, uh, continues to, you know, impact my business of having the good name in the, in the community, both real estate wise and in the Chaldean community. And then of course, working for Chris, uh, you know, his great relationship, the Jonah family and their strong relationships in the real estate world made those conversations easier. But still at the, at the, you know, when you're a young adult, people, you know, don't want to give you the time of day or they want to take advantage of you or, you know, use you for your time. But you just learn by being around along the right mentors, even when you were in the office of learning how to deal with business. And, you know, back in the day, 10, 12 years ago, you started a program called the art of networking. And, you know, I remember reading that pamphlet and, you know, following it. And it's like, yeah, I do this, I do this. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, uh, was very intuitive, but it was kind of things that I was already doing. And one thing about being in any career, uh, whether it's real estate or being a doctor, it takes you two, three, four plus five years to continue going and people, you know, quote unquote, think you're an overnight success, but it's many, many years of long nights, uh, and, and long days. And I think that one thing that I understood about networking right away was that you don't need to go to an event and get business out of right away for it to be successful. You need to go there, network, shake some hands, maybe sponsor, maybe speak at an event. And that will allow you to continue to get, get to know the room and make it easier. Even if you didn't get a deal done with a broker or developer at a, at an event, it's much easier to pick up the phone when you know somebody face to face and you're going to events or nowadays doing zoom calls, uh, to be able to connect with somebody. Cause if you connect with them in person, just over a casual conversation, they enjoy wanting to get a deal done with you. 
So I really took that to heart and, you know, if we there, I was getting business out of an event or, or, or not, I knew that that was a big component. Uh, and I always learned from my father at a young age that you make money by being outside of the office and by going to events, by going to dinners, et cetera. Uh, but you obviously need to be in the office to make your calls and your emails to get the deals done. But uh, I do think that's a big component to being a successful businessman. Yeah. So early on, you were able to leverage some of the respect and credibility that your father had built over, I think he's been in this, that business 40 years. <laughs> and then obviously leveraging the Chris Jonah brand within as a mentor and somebody that uh, can kind of transfer some of that credibility your way. But you still had to make cold calls and you still had to pick up the phone and schedule visits. And I can remember specifically in 2011, 2012, you attended a lot of events. You still attend a lot of events. It's a big part of what you do. In fact, I just attended a golf outing that you invited me to a couple of weeks ago. And you're at the event. You sponsor the event. You're greeting people at the event. So I think that there's something to be said about having presence mm-hmm. and people continuously seeing your brand and your your face in the right rooms because they they do feel more comfortable when you do want to pick up the phone and call them and they give you that, that respect. Do you have a, a specific strategy for how you curate your event schedule? You know, I know specifically you're interested and involved in the ICSC. They're in Vegas, they're in Michigan, Chicago, New York. Are these like planned out on your calendar months or years in advance? I mean, this is where you you start from there and then you build out the schedule. Tell me a little bit more about how you prioritize the different events that for you are cannot miss events. For sure. Well, definitely power connections for both uh, the the commercial (laughs) and cannabis events that you hold. Uh, you and I joke about it and people may think just cause you know, I'm doing this with you today, but you being a mentor at a young age, I always saw how you networked and, and understanding the events that you put together and the rooms that you draw were, were always great events to attend. So those are definitely always bookmarked, you know, uh, on every calendar year. And it's funny cause, uh, my marketing director and I, at the start of every year and it gets adjusted, uh, you know quarterly of what events or what conferences and stuff we're going to. And there's 50 events, conferences a year. You could only, you know, make, a, you know, half a dozen, a dozen or so real big events or conferences. Uh, and with me being diversified in commercial real estate, cannabis, other investments that I'm doing outside of real estate within Corpco, you need to really pick and choose what's worth your time and energy. And, uh, you know, speaking of networking, you know, Probably my second, third year in the industry, I got involved in the ICSC Next Generation, uh, quickly climbed the ladder, became the co-chair, and then the the Next Gen State Chair uh, for a handful of years, which then led me to uh, still being involved with ICSC on the Next Gen and the State Committee, but also helping uh, Daniel Stern and company with the Michigan Commercial Real Estate Pack that you just referenced. So I think with my involvement on those boards, it's definitely important for me to be at those events and, and help coordinate a lot of those different events. So I definitely prioritize your local Michigan events for those two. And, uh, you know, whether it's Benzinga Capital Conference or MJ BizCon or Chris George's Subtub Sub Summit subscription conference that I've attended a couple times, it's just uh, getting myself wherever I'm at currently within my career and what's important to, to me. But, you know, uh, 
it, in any event, any conference, you get out of it what you put into it. So, uh, you know, ICSC Vegas was was a great conference I went to for many years, and it, it still is. But now I, I'm hyper-focused on going to events where I'm doing deals like ICSC Chicago or, or ICSC Florida. Uh, you know, so it's really just relevant to what's really important to me at that any given time. And a lot of times, uh, something I, I learned from you at a young age as well is, you could try to go to 20 events, but the most important thing to going to event is planning and, uh, you know, one a is follow-up. So if you're going to conferences and you're trying to hit three of them in a month, you're not really doing a good job because you're going, you're trying to go to too many. Uh, so you're not really planning ahead to have the best meetings at that conference. And then you're still catching up from the conference four weeks ago by the time the third conference comes. So if you need to call people, follow up email, have some deals to follow up, or just, you know, hey, Joe, it was really nice to meet you. Look forward to working with you and getting to know you more in the future. I think that's really the most important thing where people don't really pay attention to of what's really involved in networking. And I could be my own, you know, critic uh, when it comes to that as well, because you want to be certain places and go to different events. But uh, I think it's really most important on, Showing up, being prepared, knowing, you know, what your elevator pitch is, who you're going to be in a room with, and following up, which will lead to business. Do you prioritize the number of boards or organizations that you're involved in? I mean, there's only so much time in the day. I read somewhere along my journey from somebody that's a lot smarter than me. But in terms of time in, you know, you, you probably have to serve with the right amount of capacity and effort and uh, brain space, maybe four organizations that you can kind of roll with, right? So one of them might be a charity, one of them might be church, one of them might be the business professional group like ICSC, like you mentioned. But do you kind of have a number in mind for how many that you're involved in on a monthly basis, or is it kind of event-based for you, or is it more specific and targeted? Uh, it's a little balance of both. I think what's important to me is, you know, ICSC, since I've been involved very long and the Michigan Commercial Real Estate Pack kind of spun off of, of that. So I kind of view that as, as one. And, uh, you know, you have monthly meetings or, or you know, quarterly calls, um, but you're really hyper-focused on an event for a couple weeks, maybe a month of, of time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm also, you know, on your host committee for the commercial real estate pack or the commercial real estate power connections and, and then also the power connections for the cannabis event. So I view those as my four or five things. Uh, at, a, at a younger age, I was involved in the Chaldean Chamber, Chaldean Young Professionals Network and uh, slowly spun off of that. Uh, no particular reason, but just... Well, you graduated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you moved up a little bit in your you world. Know, yeah. um, so I, I think... If I foresee myself doing anything else in the future, it might be a, a large cannabis committee on, on a national basis or or uh, some other industry sectors that I'm uh, you know, chasing outside of commercial real estate. As you look at these events and you get them on your calendar, can you paint a picture for me of what the preparation might look like for you? I mean, do you have a team? Do you sit down at a conference table? Do you say, like, these are the sessions I want to attend? These are the speakers I have to meet? Or are you hyper-focused on the attendee list and then trying to set meetings in advance? Give me an idea for how you'd like to do that. 
I think it's a balance of both. It de- really depends on the conference. Uh, you know, uh, an event like yours, you look at who's going to be there based on sponsors and speakers, and you print that off, try to understand the speaker agenda, and, and where am I going to have time within that day to network and be in the hallway, and where am I going to, what, uh, you know, speakers are important for me to speak to, and after they're done speaking, do I want to go up stage and shake their hand and introduce myself or say hello to a friend? And, uh, you know, when it comes to something like an ICSE, you're printing off the agenda list, uh, you're, you're printing off the attendee list and planning your meetings sometimes weeks or, or months in advance and shifting. Uh, but a lot of those meetings actually happen on the fly. Uh, if you're going to, you know, an ICSE type event where there's a bunch of vendors, you're setting up your meetings, but I'm also leaving time gap in my calendar to I'm going to walk the show for three hours and, and then I'm going to meet people on the floor. Uh, so I, th- I think it's really just relative to the event. And these smaller cocktail events, there are 50, 100 people. There's not really much planning. It's just showing up. And generally, if you're going to similar events, you're going to know a quarter, 50% of the room. And it's not always about meeting new faces. It's about seeing the guy that you've, you've seen five or six times. And what's new? What, what's new in your industry? Oh, you know, like a lot of people didn't know I've started a commercial lending firm. And, uh, you know, that gets brought up in conversation a lot of times or, you know, what's new in your industry, like the last year or two of you doing these podcasts and holding different events. So I think it's really just staying connected. You mentioned you have a prepared elevator pitch for these type of programs, and uh, especially when you're going out of town and meeting new people. Do you find often that when you go into these events where you see friendly faces and you haven't seen them in a while, do you have like a shot clock mentality or a timer in your head? It's like, okay, I haven't seen John in six months. We'll catch up in a conversation, but you know, there's a room of maybe 50 or 100 people that I also want to touch before this cocktail hour ends. Do you keep a shot clock in your head? Do you, are you thinking like, all right, I got like two minutes, so I want to catch up here. Is it a little more prepared? Are you, you don't want to spend the whole time talking to John about baseball, right? So yeah. how do you consider like my timing of this event and the conversation before you pivot and move on to the next one? I wouldn't necessarily say I have like an elevator pitch. I think you just, you just want to be yourself and, 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 you know, be a good time, uh, have a great conversation, provide value and, you know, in any relationship, you want to provide value. You want to be an asset to that relationship in, in any way possible. And a lot of times in networking, you have to think of the other person and put yourself in the other person's shoes. How can I help you? How can I help you grow? And, you know, kind of direct the conversation in, in regards to that and not try to talk about myself. Or if you are talking about business, uh, you know, you also, some of my best relationships are actually people that I've met in an elevator or at a conference or, uh, you know, meet in a lobby somewhere or meet at the bar somewhere. And, you know, I, I always say like, like kind of what I uh, segmented to earlier, some of your best relationships or your best business is being outside of the office. So a lot of my strong relationships through ICSE conferences of the years or cannabis conferences of the years are the guys that you're going to dinners with or going to the clubs with after, after hours. And, uh, you know, those are how you get to really, build a foundation with someone when you're not just in a suit and tie at the conference and, and just strictly talking about business, you're getting to know somebody on a personal level and becoming friends. And a lot of clients, you know, are very close family friends or they, they're, they're basically people I've known for 10, 12 years that become some of my best friends. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And then when it comes to like 
shifting on how many people I'm trying to talk to at an event. It really depends because you could sometimes, you know, you don't need to hit the entire room and you're, there's a room of 100 people and you end up talking to half a dozen people the entire night. But those half a dozen people, it, it's not always about the amount of people you connected to. It's how useful uh, and beneficial were those conversations. Because I always, you know, one thing when these go to these conferences and especially after COVID, you see a lot of attendees, you know, being down on different events or different conferences. And I think that even if either there's 1500 people at an event or 400 people, you, you only have eight or 12 hours there. So how many people are you actually really going to hit? How many meetings are you actually going to really hit? So I think that's just all, you know, smoke and mirrors. Uh, you, you just need to focus on what you want to get achieved out of, out of an event or conference. So quality over quantity and everything, anything that you do. And as you have conversations with people, uh, how you keeping track of all the notes? Are you pulling out your phone and sending yourself an email? Are you old fashioned like I am? I have actually a piece of paper and pen <laughs> with me. I mean, how do you, how do you manage all the follow-ups and conversations? Kind of depends on an event, but I, I like to be electronic, send myself notes mm -hmm. or, or send myself emails. So that way, next time I'm in front of my desk, it's I'm filtering through my emails and being responsive through my follow-up. And a lot of times, I, I, uh, well, one of my key things I do is I, I make a note. I carry a pen on me at all times at an event. And if I get someone's business card, I write on it or I star it. And, you know, if you're doing it within the timely period, within a couple of days after an event or once you return back to town, you generally remember the conversation and, and what to follow up with. So it's quick. And the follow-up for you is the most important part. It's 1A, like you said. Tell me a little bit more about some of the challenges that you have faced in networking. Like what for you has been, this for me has been a hurdle, and this is uh, one of the challenges that, uh, that I have found over the years. I haven't really found it too challenging just because it's, it's something that, it, it's a skill that I adapted with, you know, at a young age. I think one of the challenges is, is trying to be everywhere. And like we talked about, you know, picking which events and conferences. So I would say that's a challenge sometimes being, you know, uh, when you're on the fence of going to a conference or an event it could, because you have a busy schedule that's always consistently doing something new. Did I have enough time to prepare for this? Or, you know, do I have enough time to even follow up with the 50 people I met that weekend? So I think that's part of the challenge of, of just making the time for it, not necessarily a challenge where, it's a difficult time for me to, you know, be in a room, whether I'm entering a, an event or party by myself or whether I'm with a, a group of three or four people. It's, uh, you know, nothing, uh, you know, it's, you, you can't be shy and, and uh, you know, you, you, it might be ironic or funny, but it's kind of like, you know, being out and about and or, or approaching a woman. It's, it's very similar. Some conversations will go very well and, and some will not. But you got to shoot your shot. Yeah, shoot yeah. or shoot. I like it. Tell me what for you has been some of the greatest satisfactions as you built your networking business over the last 12 years. I'd say some of my greatest satisfactions have been some of my development projects that have come through. Uh, anyone that's in real estate development understands that it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of time. Um, you know, you're gambling your time. You're gambling your money uh, through the entitlement processes or, or in the cannabis space through the licensing process. And the deals don't happen overnight. You, know, you could get a deal done that could magically happen within a few month period. 
or you can work on a, some of my development projects that have been ongoing for four or five years. And uh, that's what makes the juice worth, worth, worth the squeeze, you know. And it's uh, definitely very exciting getting a lot of my projects coming, you know, well-rounded into fruition. And uh, in addition to that, it's, you know, been nice to, uh, you know, create my own brands. After being in the industry for 11 years, I went off on my own last summer took a, a big gamble, you know, gambling on myself and, and starting three companies all at once, not, not just one. So uh, definitely, you know, very ambitious. And, uh, you know, but I still, at the end of the day, you need to be humble. You need to be grateful and be thankful for, you know, any, any adversity or challenges that God gives you. And I think that uh, at the end of the day, uh, no matter how, how much success somebody has, uh, I always say that, money doesn't change you, it brings out the real you. And that's uh, part of why I'm so big into philanthropy and, uh, you know, giving back to people and impacting other people's lives. Tell me uh, about some of the organizations or charities that you're most proud to support. Definitely the one that I'm most proud to support is the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. You know, I was diagnosed with Crohn's at a young age, right around the time I, I've uh, got into real estate actually at 21. And in my mid-20s, went through a year of adversity being in and out of the hospital, and that taught me some more adversity of to continue pushing. And, you know, I have various friends or family members that have dealt with their own autoimmune or illnesses and diseases that I support, like breast cancer, you know, uh, American Heart Association, et cetera. And if you go to my website, the uh, charities and, uh, that I support, uh, even supporting you with the Children's Foundation, it has a place in my heart. Yeah, that's important to give back. I mean, nobody is without adversity. No, nobody's without challenges. But recognizing that you have an opportunity to help shape the future and to help shape others and support others, it's a big part of what we do, and it's a big part of being a power connector. Mm -hmm. Give me a little bit of a crystal ball on the next 12 to 24 months. Like, what's what's on the horizon for you, and, and what keeps you up at night? A lot keeping me up at night right now. Uh, but when you're very ambitious and, and, and very hungry, uh, you know, you're always going to have that, that balance of where you need to focus on work, but also focus on your personal lives. And I think uh, where I see myself over the next, uh, you know, 12, 18 months is continuing to add to my team on, on all fronts of, of the company and helping grow the companies and, and being able to handle more clients and, and do more deals with more partners and continue to do deals uh, on all three companies uh, outside of Michigan and Florida. And I think that with, uh, you know, my brothers being down in Florida, living there, uh, both are, one's a dentist, one's a doctor, and keep them involved with what I do. And my, my partner, Steve, being based in Tampa, it, it's definitely a market uh, of interest, and I plan to continue to get active down there. And continue to just be active, uh, you know, in, in the Midwest. And, you know, as a broker, developer, lending, you know, the economic climate has a big impact on what you're doing. But definitely a big believer on, you know, you need to go create your opportunity. Can't wait for the phone to ring. You need to be networking, going to these events, being on the phone, uh, you know, keeping your name and face out there and driving traffic, you know, whether it's social media or SEO, whatever it might be, and just continue plugging through and not waiting for things to fall into your lap. 
And um, yeah. That's great advice. Uh, you know, somewhere along this podcast, and I know from experience, because people tell me, there is somebody that's 18 or 21 or 22 years old kind of thinking about their future and where they want to be. Maybe they've thought about commercial real estate. Maybe they thought about brokerage. Maybe they've thought, this is too much. I don't have any relationships. I don't have a, uh, a last name. I don't have a friend that I can go to to leverage their relational capital. But um, you know, what advice might you have for them if somebody's thinking about transitioning into commercial real estate brokerage or you know, becoming the next Corbin Yeldew? Yeah. Uh, the next Corbin LD, I just view myself as a nobody yet compared to where I want to be. But, you know, I appreciate that. And I think at the end of the day, it's all your cliche sayings. You know, your network is your net worth. You know, that's so true. Part of the reason why I'm involved in a lot of these committees or, or boards. And I think you just need to go for it. Don't be afraid to fail. Uh, don't be afraid to put in two, three years of hard work and then wait for the success to happen afterwards because nothing happens overnight. And surround yourself with, uh, you know, good mentors and good people that teach you the right uh, ways to do business. And that's, you know, having high integrity, character, morals and ethics, never screw anybody over and, you know, always do the right thing. And if you carry those with you, then it, it, over time, if you continue to put in the work and you're, you have the grit and the resiliency, then, then you will be successful. And whether it's in two years or five years. You just need to be patient and uh, definitely put in the work. And when it comes to people looking to get into the real estate world on development, brokerage, lending, technology, the world evolves around real estate. So I think it's an awesome career for many people. I recently had a few interns this summer and had a few interns throughout my career. And uh, that's another way of giving, act, giving back to people. Uh, you look at everything as a long-term approach and becoming that person's friend and that mentor, but they could end up working with you for a few months and a relationship that lasts a lifetime, or they could work with, you know, love the job and, and want to work with you for 10, 15 years. But I definitely think it's, uh, there's just so much opportunity out there. And, you know, like a lot of people right now view the current economic climate, construction costs, rising interest rates, how can you pencil new developments? And going back to one of your last questions, where do I see myself over the next 12, 18 months? I think it's less on the development side and more buying existing value add deals, foreclosures, note deals. And you're not just going to get phone calls calling your office. You need to go create those opportunities and, and, and uh, you know, build your relationships with the brokers that have those relationships or the lenders that, you know, have, have those assets. So I just think that people need to be, willing to put in the work and you look at the younger generation of kids that are still in high school or in early college and they're entitled or they've been spoiled with technology where if you were raised right by the right family, you, you should be able to figure it out and have their work ethic. I like that. The world revolves around real estate, but also around people. And so yeah. you need to be able to network and pay into it, into that um, as you, as you build your relationships with people, sometimes it's time, sometimes it's money we give back to the, community, uh, sometimes sponsorship, sometimes just being involved in the right rooms at the right time. But it's been great to see the development of your space and your career. You kind of did it on your own. I mean, a lot of phone calls that uh, you had to the schedule and a lot of people told you no early on. But yes, you did and were able to leverage the name and the brand, but you still got to put in the time. And that did take 
shit, we're 12 years later and you're here. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, congrats, man. It's uh, It's been great to see um, the rise of the three companies, Corp Co Ventures, C3, CRE, and, and Rare. And uh, I'm just excited to congratulate you on that and, and wish you the best. And I know we'll do this again sometime soon. Yes, sir. Thank All you, right. Derek. Well, this has been a, a great conversation on the Power Connector podcast with my friend Corbin Yaldu, founder of Corp Co Ventures, C3, CRE, and Rare Capital, doing some explosive work in uh, commercial real estate, brokerage, and in finance. And I uh, wish you all the best. I'll, I'll see you soon. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. See you soon.